Welcome to 5E Radio. Today we are having a conversation with Hilary Skellen. She has been practicing for how many years? Ooh, um, <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> 42. Wow. I know. And she's the daughter of J.R. Worsley, and she was the president of our school ITEA until very recently. Mm-hmm. So today we get to have a conversation with her, and the very first question I would like to ask, what was your experience with five-element acupuncture when you were growing up and before you started studying it? Mm, good question. I, I think because I grew up with acupuncture, it was like, it was normal for me, you know, like other kids would think, like going to the doctor or Western medicine is what you do when you get sick. It was just such a natural thing that if I was sick when I was young, then acupuncture was one of the ways in which I got treated. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but you know, a lot of the time. But it just, I think I just picked up so many things over the years about it. You know, it just became, because the conversation would be in the house or over dinner or something, it would just come up. Um, so the, there were so many things that I think I just picked up and absorbed mm-hmm. over the years. I just It just always felt like it was a natural thing yeah. to do, which in England in the 19, probably ni- early 1960s, that would have been then, um, you know, was certainly not the norm, <laughs> <laughs> but it felt like the norm to me because that was my, that was the household I grew up in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was there a standout moment when you decided that you wanted to study it yourself? Um, yes, there was. <laughs> um, so actually, when I was growing up, I did not want to study it. Um, the reason being is that my my dad, who he loved what he did, um, he worked very long hours. And he had a, a clinic attached to the house where I grew up. And so he would come in at night, kind of pretty late after working a long day. So I, as a kid, used to think, well, I'm not going to do that when I grow older because you work, you know, he just works too hard to <laughs> do something simpler, right? So I, I did not really have much interest in doing it, even though I was kind of in awe of it and, and enjoyed it. I just couldn't see me doing it. But then um, my husband, my late husband, he um, he actually started doing the program uh, three years before I did. And I used to read his homework and, um, you know, we'd, we'd have conversations and I'd keep asking him questions about things. And then somebody said to me one day, you're asking so many questions about this. Why don't you why aren't you doing it yourself? Because I had the interest in, you know, all the, the basic theory and the philosophies and stuff like that. And time-wise, it was perfect because my youngest child at that point was um, about to start going to daycare. So it's like, well, I'll give it a try and see see if I like it. And I can remember sitting in class and. On the first day, and I was in a class of 32 students in my class. And by the end of the first day, it was like, why the heck didn't I do this when I finished mm. school? Like, you know, why did I wait? 
clearly it was the right time for me to wait but I was I was hooked that was it what was your dad's reaction when he told him you were oh he was so thrilled he was so <laughs> thrilled and the thing that was so cool about him was that you know when I left school I didn't know what I wanted to do I really I you know I, I had lots of interests and things I was interested in but I couldn't see myself actually you know this is what I'm going to do kind of as a career but he never ever forced or pressured I mean he was wise enough to know that if it was going to be right for me then I'd come to that decision in my own time so he was thrilled when Terry decided to do it and then you know when I said you know I think I think I'd like to have a go at this I, I know he was really happy wow yeah you probably got to school and realized that so much of the language was already in you. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, lots of it wasn't, but you know, things like being out in um, and hearing somebody say something about somebody's color or somebody's odor, it didn't seem like weird conversation to me because it was just like, well, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I've been getting odors yeah, since I was yeah. three. <laughs> <laughs> How has the way that you have practiced from the time you left school till now changed over time? Oh, gosh. Mm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. How has it changed? I don't know that I would say, well, in many ways, it hasn't changed in the slightest. Like, the theory of it, nothing in that regard has changed at all. I think what's changed, well, there's a couple of things. I think one one major thing that's changed is I know for sure that the longer you, you practice this medicine, the deeper it becomes in terms of understanding. So I would say and hope that I've become a better practitioner over the years because of the amount of experience and natural curiosity about you know always wanting to know more about people and what makes them tick um but i think the other part that's changed as well is that we're living in very different times now you know when i went first went to school in 1978 the world was a different place to what it is now in 2023 so for that reason it's more about, um, gosh, it's hard to, hard to think how to answer this uh, cohesively. Um, I think it's more about awareness on people's consciousness and our level of self-responsibility for our own health is something that has changed hugely hmm. since the 1970s to now. And that's one of the things that I've I've grown to love even more about this work is the, is the recognition that that's what this medicine teaches us. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think I was certainly blind to that when I first started treating. And I don't think certainly the world that I lived in at that time also wasn't very aware. Mm-hmm. Let's put it like that. Do you think that's an insight that your dad understood? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was way ahead of his time in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Mm, that's what yeah. made him yeah. mm-hmm. such a good practitioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if our relationship to this medicine, as you're talking about, is constantly unfolding, we're constantly moving deeper, 
what are you unfolding and learning in the realm of phylum and acupuncture right now? What's piquing your curiosity? The, the thing that, actually, just say that question again, because I want to make sure I'm answering it correctly at the beginning. The what, beginning part. what are you unfolding right. about five element acupuncture right now? I think that the awareness that the simplicity of this medicine, like pay, really paying attention to color, sound, odor, and emotion, that when you get those and you can then hone in on where the person is out of balance, the magic that can happen at times is, I mean, it sounds, it sounds strange to say that's what I'm honing in on at the moment because I think it's the thing that I always have honed in on, mm -hmm. but it doesn't become any less inspiring the longer I do it. Mm -hmm. In fact, quite the opposite. There was a patient I was supervising in the clinic yesterday and I came out and just felt so uplifted at the change in this person and how they felt that, you know, and of course it's not like that every time, but those those times are really so incredibly rewarding to know what this medicine can do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's mastering the basics over and over again. Totally. Coming totally. back to them yes. over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite season? Ooh, I don't have one. I've got... I like I like summer and I I love summer and I love winter. Mm, the two polar. I do I do <laughs> yeah. The other bits yeah they're okay. <laughs> no, I'm too, I'm too um, yeah I don't dislike any of them, but so I I love I love summer I love the energy of summer I also love the energy of winter though. Mm -hmm. How do yeah. you do with the transition between 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 the polarity of summer and the polarity of winter so fall and spring yeah um they're they're okay colorado in the autumn is gorgeous and i've actually really enjoyed that time of year here i didn't used to enjoy it in england it's very wet and dark and mm -hmm. yeah while i don't mind the darkness in and of itself there was something about that that, that fall period Mm. Um, I didn't enjoy quite so much. Yeah, but I do. I do in this country. How has learning about the five elements changed your relationship with nature and with the seasons? I don't know that it's changed it actually, because it's something that I've always. It's not anything that just suddenly I learned about it. It's because it's. It's just been a part of me. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I can pinpoint yeah. anything more accurately. That's what makes, I think, your story particularly unique is that this medicine has always been in you. In it's you. how you grew I up. I know, I know. It's I know. very, very special. Yeah, yeah, very blessed. So we learn a lot about the Tao in this practice. And I have a question about what following the Tao feels like for you. Like, how do you sense in yourself that you're going the right way and that you're following your Tao? Um, 
Well, first of all, I don't, I don't believe that there is one way. I think the, the biggest sense comes from paying attention to how I feel inside. Like, that's so important to me. Like, if I don't feel like I'm living and following my integrity, regardless of whatever's going on around me, I know I'm out of that. But if I'm just listening to what feels right, and, you know, believe me, I've made many mistakes in life, but I don't see them as being bad things because I think that's the way we grow, like mm -hmm. learning from things that we do that don't work or are downright not good ideas. <laughs> you know, those kind of things teach us. Mm -hmm. um, I ask about the Tao because in witnessing <clears throat> you in this school, it um, strikes me that you find deep purpose and you found your path as a teacher and propelling this medicine forward. Love it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious about um, just how that lands for you. I strongly, strongly believe that that is what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. I, I do believe that. Mm -hmm. And the way that I know that that is so true is that I'm living in a continent that's like 10,000 miles away from the rest of my family, who I adore. And um, and unfortunately, they know that about me too. They know that this is what I'm meant to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I just feel very strongly that this this uh, medicine moving forward, being passed on to younger generations, future generations who are going to be doing the same thing, teaching other people how to teach it, <laughs> is yeah. so incredibly important. Yeah. You're doing so much for this. I think like this interview, I think is a good example of that, but also all of your recordings of um, CF with people. Um, what am I trying to say? Um, the intakes. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Patient consults. Yeah, mm -hmm. patient consults. Um, and then also um, the LEAF program. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is, that's been such a huge success. I'm just so thrilled that so many people are, are being able to do this. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, people are loving yeah. it. It's yeah. great, it's, it's awesome to watch. Um, what do you think the pros and cons uh, are of maintaining this medicine as an oral tradition? Oh gosh, that is a tricky question. <laughs> There's some good questions here. <laughs> um, well, let's start with the cons. I think the cons of maintaining it as an oral tradition is the what goes from person to person, like it always historically was master-apprentice kind of training, which I feel worked very well for, and this is just my opinion, for, for a long time. I don't know that that is the that's the best way of this medicine being transmitted now because mm. we're because of the times that we're living in and because of the fact that it's not you know we're talking about many many more people than you know one student studying with a master and being with them kind of like for decades that those mm. times have passed now that doesn't work so there's so much, one of the cons, to come back to answer your question, is that there's so much opportunity for misinterpretation and 
the word being passed from one person to another inaccurately and not you know any way other than innocently probably but mishearing something misrepresenting and so having that you know which is one of the things that we're so mindful of here is constantly making sure that the basics are being taught in a really clear and accurate way and not interspersed with somebody's interpretation of how they feel it should be which is then diluting what it was that we were originally taught mm. how so do you therefore see it needing to adapt adapt mm -hmm. <coughs> well i think one of the ways in which it, which kind of leads on to the prose really is that um recordings can make a big difference for example it's one of the things that apart from COVID, that drove me to do the point location videos. Um, so let's just get it down accurately so people can see and hear how to do that accurately. Easy to do with the point location, a lot more challenging to do with things that are more to do with treating the person as a unique individual. Mm. So, um, you know, it's also one of the things that JL was very mindful of when he wrote the books that he did it's like you know there's only so much you can put down in writing mm -hmm. about this you can put down the basic theory but then that's not as you both know that is not the medicine mm -hmm. in its you know in its entirety so it makes it it makes it challenging um i i don't i don't know honestly whether the I'm not quite sure how it's going to be more effective to get this medicine transmitted going on to future generations. It seems like an incredibly tricky dance to mm -hmm. both preserve the lineage mm -hmm. in its form as well as moving it forward. And like any, like nature, letting it be too rigid but not letting it be too fluid. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's very true. Mm. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of the recordings. I think that's a great... Yeah. The thing is with the with the written word, it, it's one of the reasons why Jared didn't really um, want spirits of points putting down in firm, in firmly in writing, is that once it's there in writing, it's there. And there's no, there is no fluidity or movement mm -hmm. around it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Um, I've thought about it. <laughs> Am I going to write a book? No. No, I don't think so. Okay, so my next few questions are questions within the treatment room. Okay. Of color, sound, odor, and emotion, what sense do you find to be the most challenging for you? And has this changed? most challenging Ooh. It, it's not the sense that's the most challenging it depends on the person mm. it really depends on the person I mean if somebody's odor I mean the odor of course is the most important it's the most important because if you get that then you know nothing, nothing else is open to interpretation but if somebody's odor is not particularly strong um, but maybe their colour is or their emotion is, or the sound of their voice, then yes, it just varies from person to person. When an odor is blended, I mean, I guess every odor has the withins mm -hmm. there too. Like, 
like say like you're getting a scorched and a rotten and a fragrant, what tools do you have to discern which one is primary? Well, then if I'm not 100% sure about the odour, which oftentimes I'm, you're not, then you're also looking at colour, sound and emotion. Mm. Okay, so if yeah. you're not clear, you yeah. lean on or, the other. Or and then just walking away, backing away, but I'm certainly not standing there and trying to figure it out in your head, because mm. that just doesn't work. I've heard you say that with, I guess, odour and... Um, color the most is to let it come to you versus yes. you yes yes yeah you know many of the times when i feel like i pick up an odor it's it's when i'm not expecting to pick up an odor but it's but i'm just there with my sense opened an open awareness oh yes yeah is there an element that is harder for you to diagnose than others? Again, going back to the yeah, person. It depends on the person. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious for me between weep and lack of laugh, sometimes there can be a similarity there. Do you have any tips for the people listening? I think there's a big difference between weep and a lack of laugh. Mm -hmm. um, Lack of laugh is definitely more flat and absent something. It's like there is a lack of something. Mm -hmm. So it feels kind of monotone-ish, empty. But weep doesn't feel like that or doesn't sound like that. It's more full. It's a more full sound. And it does sound as though someone could easily start crying, <laughs> which, is a different, which is a different sound to a lack of laugh. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. In the treatment room, you have a natural way of connecting with people and also connecting with different CFs. What advice do you have for the students listening to this? Just be yourself. Just be yourself and recognize that the person that you're with is also just another human being who wants to make connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Universal truth. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find yourself changing your tone or your questions with different CFs? Um, I don't know that I categorize, well I wouldn't categorize it as changing it with different CFs, but it's changing it with different people for sure, depending on how that person is, um, is relating, like what's going to work with that person. Mm. What do you do if you're unable, you're having a hard time connecting with someone? Hmm. That's a hard question to answer because I don't. You know, there are some people who who just are if they're naturally really withdrawn or cut off or closed or don't want to make connection, then I think it's just respecting that that's where that person's at and that's who that's who they are, and certainly not taking any way that anybody. Um, relates to you personally mm. because it's never personal it's never about us mm -hmm. yeah so just respecting where people are at mm. what tools have you found for yourself in staying clear and not taking everyone 
else's stuff on in the treatment room. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Do you do that even while sorry while I'm doing this? <laughs> um, what tools do I use? Um, you know, one of the one of the biggest um, one of the biggest I don't know whether you call it tools, but one of the biggest helps or helpers to me was uh, reading an article. I think you guys may know it, written by Rachel Remen called Fixing, Helping and Serving. And being aware of it's not our job to go in and fix people, first of all, that because they're not broken. And helping people can seem and is pretty arrogant. Um, but just being there as just being there of service to this with this medicine. Nice. A clear vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then with pulses, mm -hmm. I'm curious about the inner conversation that you're having inside yourself when you're taking pulses. I'm not. You're that not. Definitely not happening. Yeah. So then what's happening? I think any time we have a conversation when we're taking pulses, we're not taking pulses. Mm. What we're doing is we're trying to interpret in our head what it is we're feeling. So simply just paying attention to what the officials are saying. So it's not, it's taking the attention away from our head or our conversations into our fingers. Mm. Like, what are we feeling? What are you feeling? Yes. Mm. Yeah. When you feel a block, mm -hmm. How can you describe what that feels like? Um, well, obviously we're looking for balance within all of the 12 pulses. So any time that we feel a pulse that feels at odds with anything else, like, ooh, that feels like, that feels way different to the others. That kind of thing, you know, either stronger or weaker, it would it sparks that curiosity of, hmm, I wonder if this is a block, and then, you know, go and check again. Do you feel like taking pulses, it has constantly been evolving for you? Oh, for sure, still? yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for that. <laughs> and then my last question is, where do you see this medicine of 5-element acupuncture going? Where do I see it going? Oh, what I would love to see it going is for it to not be the minority medicine, the minority style of acupuncture in this country or in the world, not just this country. Um, for future generations, I'd like to see it just continue as it is, but in a larger scale so that more people are aware of it and that more people can benefit from it too. Mm, I'd like to see that too. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll be a part of making that happen. I hope so too. I feel like we're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we sure are. <laughs> well, I think that's all the questions we have for you in this moment. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. It was fun. really fun. Great, thank you.